and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. 2019 is almost over and we're ending with a deluge of derbies. After Edinburgh's yesterday, we've got the Dundee Derby tonight and there's the Lanarkshire Derby on Sunday. Because it's Christmas, Motherwell's Jake Carroll joins us to look ahead to Hamilton. Get it? Oh, aye, and Celtic Blue Rangers as well. Kelly are still searching for a new manager and Hearts are still searching for a new manager bounce. They're having a torrid time at Tynecastle. But don't worry, to usher in the new year, the one and only Old Firm Facts will be reminiscing about what's gone before this year. I'm Andrew Slavin and I'm on my Todd today. Everyone else is with their families at Christmas, but look, my family is Scottish football. Uh, apart from my real family, of course, I'll be traipsing up the road for Hogmanay. Um, but I am here for you guys, uh, so don't worry, I've got the trusted Totally Scottish Football Show phone as well, including Super Pod producer Charlie Jones to help me through it. I feel like Fraser, Charlie, um, which would make you Roz, I think. <laughs> Let's start in Glasgow where the top two meet at Celtic Park on Sunday lunchtime. The champions boast a five-point lead over Rangers but have played a game more. Jordan Campbell from The Athletic joins me now. Jordan, it might not be a must-win for Rangers, but is it a must-not-lose? I think that's the right way of describing it, to be honest. I think even if Rangers do lose, though, like it's still not over completely. I think eight, eight points for a game in hand. You know, as as five points insurmountable over six months, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't say so, but I think it would be a big psychological blow, especially happening in the same month as the, the cup final defeat. So, I mean, I think if you you listen to Gerard and Gary McAllister and Conor Goldson today, like there is a relief in that team that they can go to Celtic Park and they can actually take the game to them. I think it is right to say it's a not lose though. I think just the the, the mental scars are playing so well at Hamden but not getting the result I think if that was to be compounded by another defeat especially going into a you know a three week break uh, where they're not, they're not able to get it out of the system I think that there could be a sort of a knock on effect maybe when they come back Does that just show how much Rangers have changed under Gerrard in the space of, of a year you know if you look back at, at last season when I think it was there was only a point in it at New Year um, or I think it was level on points like, you've seen a lot of Rangers they are very different now what are the biggest improvements that you've seen from now uh, since January last year? I think it's just the consistency of the team I think Rangers were neck and neck with Celtic last season at that point but it always felt that Rangers were just hanging on whereas this season you know, I think the gaps widened between the old firm and the rest of the club so that's played its part but um, I, I just think consistency especially against teams where they need to break 10 men down as in the command game in Boxing Day I just think that's a game Rangers would not have won last season Command were unbeaten four games whereas Rangers have taken six points for two games and they've not played well against Command and they've taken six points I think that's the difference that they're starting to learn how to get over the line um, I'm saying that but they failed to do that in the cup final so this is the big one in terms of can they you know, take that next hurdle and get past Celtic um, especially being away from home I think that would be a big a big thing for Gerard to get a win at Celtic Park. You know, it's a place they've no won since 2010, so it's not been a happy hunting ground in, in modern history for them. Um, but I think if you if you look at the shape of Rangers, like they've been playing that settled system since April, mm-hmm. and I think that you're now seeing, you know, it's becoming second nature. You watch Rangers play in Europe, 
and you know they're so settled in that formation. So even if they go to Celtic Park, and you know they've been saying they're going to be on the front foot, but you know managers have been known to bluff their way in the build up for an old firm. So whether that happens is you know remains to be seen. But even if they sit back, I'd be I'd be quite confident that they can soak up pressure and cause Celtic problems. But it's just a case of whether they can take those chances. Do you, do you think Gerard will stick with Alfredo Morelos? Obviously, he will be hoping to end his hoodoo against Celtic because he hasn't scored in 11 games against them. Is there a mental block there? And we, we saw it in perfect fashion in that Betfred Cup final when Rangers played Celtic off the park but just couldn't get it in the back of the net. I mean, it's almost hard to believe that he hasn't scored against Celtic when you look back at the number of chances he's had. But like, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be starting the game on Sunday. But I've seen people say the terrible game in the Cup final. To me, the brilliant game. Yeah, but yeah I agree. <laughs> just when it, get, it was six yards out, he, he maybe didn't have his best game. But you can say, oh, if Jermaine Defoe was in that position. But let's be honest, if Jermaine Defoe was playing that game, he probably wouldn't have had 8% of those chances mm. because Alfredo Morelos is so central in creating most of them. Like, even when you look at his shots and the chances he had in the cup final, like not many of them you can say actually did much wrong. You know, mm. He hit them low, hard across goal. It's basically textbook what you would tell any striker, even if they're even if they're not confident. He must have been high on confidence that day. Yeah. And Fraser I mean, Foster was, was right. on another level yeah. that day as well. Well, exactly. It was like none of the saves were that spectacular, but it just to make so many like decent saves. Usually, there's one that somehow you know skims under his feet or would take a ricochet, but just seems not to be going for for Alfredo Morelos. But I think that there must be some psychological part of the play, um, but. If you look at some great strikers, you know, like Ali McCoyst, he's missed hundreds of chances, but mm-hmm. the reason he scored so many goals is because he kept putting himself back in those positions. Mm-hmm. And I ask what you see with Morelos, he's only 22 years old, 23 years old. Nothing seems to phase him, really. Like He was still putting himself in those positions. He was still willing to step up and take a penalty, even when, you know, that's a pretty embarrassing situation for a striker to go through when yeah. you just cannot score. But, you know, he seems to be able to bounce back and, and play as if there's nothing really on his mind. So... Um, I would. I think he's one of these players. That I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves Scotland, having not scored against Celtic. Mm-hmm. But also, wouldn't be surprised if he scored a hat trick on Sunday. I don't think he's going to score one. I think if he scores one, he'll score three. That's the sort of player that he is. You know, this this is going to be Celtic's ninth game of December and Rangers' eighth. You know, what element of of tiredness can set into this game? You mentioned yourself um, that Gerard and McAllister were. Uh, you know, wanting to be on the front foot, but that's a lot of games in December. And how much do you think it might ebb and flow between both sides? You know, Gerard always talks about taking games in blocks. You know, it's like I think that's maybe a psychology thing as well, because considering they're going to be playing in a sixty-game season again. But you know, just to try and like one more push, one more push. So I think the fact that they know they've got three weeks off, I don't think fatigue will have a big impact to be honest. Because Gerard was saying that the players are recovering better than they did last season. Um, I don't know if that's a change in you know approach, but um, it seems to be working anyway. Because you, you don't look at Rangers and think they're lagging off at the end of games. I think they've scored the most goals in the league in the last fifteen minutes. You know, most of them have been when they're comfortable, win- comfortably winning, but you know they're still trying to add on those goals at the end. So, no, nah, I don't think fatigue will, will come into it. Um, you know, like Morelos, he got well, he got partly arrested during the week. Um, but you know, I think I think both teams will be fresh, and it'll just be a case of just you know getting every ounce of energy they've got left before the break. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. I enjoyed that, Charlie. I really, really, that was pretty good fun. Um, should we stick with the Derby stuff as well, eh? 
We should talk to someone about the Edinburgh Derby. Um, why don't we bail up JJ, JJ Bull, from The Telegraph. Go on then. Oh mate, we really need to get a new phone. It's 2020. Come on. JJ, you there? Hello. Hey, Merry Christmas, mate. What is... And to you, what a surprise to hear your voice. I was not expecting you to call today. <laughs> there might be some festive cheer up in Aberdeen where you are, but there isn't much about in the maroon half of Edinburgh because Hearts are beating 2-0 at home to Hibs. Four defeats out of four for Daniel Stendel. Three of those at home, their bottom of the league. Is this the biggest story in Scottish football, JJ? Because I want you to talk to me about this. It is the funniest story in Scottish football. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, I mean, come on. Poor Hearts fans. Like, go, going through it all, there's a really good rant on Twitter by, uh, what's the Twitter guy? Uh, by Hearts Rant, actually. Mm, yeah. Uh, who's just in a massive thread breaking down what Hearts fans have had to put up with from their manager being fired and then walking the new manager around the ground when he arrives. <laughs> <sighs> To to Austin McPhee working from home, working weekends. It's all just such a weird situation to be in. Daniel Stendel has made basically no difference whatsoever. Maybe he's not had time to really work with the players yet, you could argue, but they're in a real mess. And like we said in the show last week, Anne Budges said that they don't have a contingency plan for relegation, which seems like that seems fine because they've got great players. Mm-hmm. Well, do they? They seem like they did. And all of a sudden you're starting to wonder whether that's actually the case at all and the point you don't really need individual players what you need is a team and that's something you don't really seem to have at the moment well this is the thing Daniel Stendhal might not have had much time but he's running out of it he's been taking a bit of criticism as well because (laughs) yeah I'm I'm coming on to it Um, you know the whole story of him going back to Germany for Christmas um, and then giving players Christmas Day off what do you think about that? well German people like Christmas too I think that's fine (laughs) So uh, Has it been blown out of proportion, this? Maybe, but some people might forget that football isn't all everyone's lives, even those people who work in it. There must be a reason that Stendhal has gone home that I don't know about. I don't know if he's had a prior engagement he has to go for, home for, mm-hmm. like, for example, Christmas. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And that's fine. And also, he has staff who will be in Edinburgh to train the, the players, mm-hmm. And he will have set up with, with those staff. They'll have arranged their training schedules. They'll know exactly what the players are doing. I'm sure he'll be able to use something like a telephone or the internet to find out feedback from what's going on in training sessions and, and sort of guide them that way. I, it's not a great look. I mean, it's not, is it? No. Kinda, you take charge and then you leave when you're all all at sea. But it's not like they're, they're rudderless. I mean, if they do need someone to come in and take charge... Craig Levine sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Look, it, it's pretty dire reading. Um, you've mentioned Hart's rant have already done their rant. But the fact of the matter is, after 20 games, they have two wins all season. And as pointed out by SPL Stats on Twitter, all of the last eight teams who were bottom of the Premiership at Christmas went on to finish bottom. Do you think it would be possibly disastrous for Hearts to be relegated again after only a few seasons back in this division I don't know what their money's like but they should be able to ride out a single season in the championship they did go down and it'd be good fun because they'd win every single week and go back up you'd have thought 
surely. The big problem would be that a lot of their players might not have uh, relegation release uh, clauses or wage drops. So, you know, they're still paying premiership mm-hmm. money, but being in the rubbish league. But it's not going to destroy them if they go down, is it? I mean, well, it would I, just I don't know. It's, be it's awful those, for their fans. It's one of those. And Budge's obviously pumped in a lot of money into the club, not just in the playing staff, but in the, the infrastructure of the club. You know, they're hosting, you know, big concerts and stuff like that um, at the ground, which is ruining well, their pitch. Well, they paid a million pounds <laughs> for that new hybrid pitch and then had a concert on it that ruined it the same season. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I don't know. I think, I think she does have money, um, but it's not a surprise that they wouldn't have had a relegation plan in place because it just sh- it just shouldn't be in that in that position. Um, but look, but they should it, get out of it as well. I mean, surely they will. You'd imagine they will. But that's the thing we keep saying about Hamilton as well. Like they'll be fine because they always find a way. Um, I do think Hearts have the players, and I kind of feel like it's too early to call on what Stendhal's going to do there. I think the January transfer window is going to be massive for them, isn't it? Well, I mean, it could potentially be quite literally massive if they bring in another 20 players, whatever it is. Their, their player turnaround is, is insane, but what they should be working on now is coaching players to play in a certain way so that the team is better. I don't. They, you can say they need certain players, but the ones they brought in haven't exactly been great. And if, as is rumoured, it is Levine and McPhee who are in charge of cutting the wage bill of the players that they brought in and finding new ones to replace the bad ones that they brought in, mm. then it's not... You wouldn't have a huge amount of faith in it, would you? But then there are certain areas where they definitely need to have uh, bodies in that would improve it. I mean, Naismith is injured every time he goes in the pitch, pretty much. Like Machino's a talent, but not being able to use it much. You could do with someone to... Someone with a bit more legs than... Then uh, McLean up front, you maybe have someone who's... I mean, Nick Piazza is not a bad player, really. But they've just got a lot of players who are being shunted into positions that they might not be best suited to. Mm. But like I said before, the big problem to me is not that they need more players in straight away. It's that the ones they have need to be coached because you need some stability mm-hmm. and then to really work out where you're going from there. Because it sounds like already, if they brought in a load of players and then Stendhal didn't get them to sing the tune he wants... Then he'll just be chopped in a few months. And then someone else comes in. It's the same problem. And this is why they should have brought in a director of football in the first place to assign a strategy and carefully build and make sure that what they're doing is all linked together. Well, that was the original plan. And now they've just parked yeah. it, didn't we? we? We spoke on this podcast before. That was the original plan to get a director of football in first and then get a manager. And that just hasn't materialised. Um, but look, they, they, they're up against Aberdeen on Sunday at two o'clock as well, which is, is that not a bit weird? Don't don't miss it. I'm sure you won't miss it, but other people might miss What's it. What's wrong with two o'clock? I don't know. Like, it's just it feels unnatural. <laughs> Should be three o'clock. I don't I don't know. But um, do you think Hearts can turn the season around against Aberdeen? You can be sometimes pessimistic about your club. Oh yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be exactly the kind of one. I don't know. Ab- Aberdeen um, still aren't great to watch. Like the goal um, on Boxing Day was. Like super, the first goal they scored was brilliant. Mm-hmm. One touch pass, not up the pitch, opened them up and finished well by uh, McLennan. But if they could just play like that more often, it'd be so much more fun to watch. Yeah. But it's really, I mean, McKenna is just shelling the ball whenever he gets it. Ash Taylor looks like he's terrified of the thing. Ojo's made a bit of a difference since coming back, but he had to go off with hopefully not an injury in that game later on. So hopefully he's all right. Midfield, having a midfield makes a big difference in these kinds of games. You'd think Aberdeen are the better side, the better team. They have what looks like the better manager at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. Bit of, and form's not great, but you know, pushing towards that third place again. Always yeah, seem to get over the line. Yeah, they haven't won in three games away from home, Aberdeen. Um, but yeah. then you you counteract that with two wins for Hearts all season. Um, but sticking with Aberdeen, let's talk about uh, your new owner or Aberdeen's new owner, not your new owner. Uh, yeah, not Dave, mine. <laughs> Dave Cormack, I'm a neutral journalist. <laughs> uh, Dave Cormack, he's been tweeting. He's he's not too happy with Christopher Ayer making a meal of Sam Cosgrove's challenge for which he was sent off against Celtic last Saturday. Um, but he wasn't too happy with Lee Griffiths either for a challenge on Lewis Ferguson, was he? Well, no, it looks like Lee Griffiths knows what he's doing and leaves a bit on Ferguson. You can t- screenshot all you want, you know, you make it look worse than it actually is, but he yeah. does seem to land on Ferguson's knee, and I think he's lucky to get away with, he got nothing for it, and I think it could easily be in red. Cosgrove's, I can see why Cormac is unhappy with it. I can also see why it should probably have been of a yellow. I mean, because he, he's massive and he goes absolutely steaming into the challenge. As soon as he leaves the ground, I'm like, well, he's going to go off for that. It's kind of a kind of a silly thing to do mm-hmm. but he does win the ball cleanly it's I don't know it's a, it's a tough one right I don't think you should I mean if that was if I was a defender and Sam Coswell can fly into me like that I wouldn't be happy and I'd be placing the red but he does go rolling around trying to be injured to get the guy sent off it's gamesmanship see Neil Lennon said that the Cormac comments were disgraceful yeah but I mean he is at it <laughs> should, should he be commenting about it though should he be um, but I mean I know I mean, lots of people say things. Donald Trump comes out and says whatever he wants. But is is it all right for a club chairman to come out and say things like that so publicly? I don't know. It is odd, isn't it? But then why not? I mean, it's good to put it in the public <laughs> eye so that it's so that it becomes talked about. Because if you, if you don't, then who raises it? Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not criticised the referee or anything like that. Well, I mean, he has to an extent. Kind of. He's blamed Ayer for for deceiving him with the way he acted and that's what Ayer does I mean it's, he's not been touched I think Ayer is entitled to be annoyed at Cosgrove for going in with so much momentum like it's overly aggressive it's kind of funny I, I think there's a referee that um, I know who said that it's because he leaves the ground that that's why he's kind of done with it because yeah. he's going so fast because if he doesn't leave the ground he's more in control of it but uh, he shouldn't be doing that Cosgrove should know better than that mm. Referee friend. But yeah, we should move on. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's end on some bad news actually, because you know we're hoping um, in 2020 that Scotland can actually qualify um, for Euro 2020. But um, bad news in yeah. John McGinn fracturing his ankle playing for Villa last Saturday. He's expected to be out for three months, so he might be back in time for the game against Israel in the Nations League playoffs. But it's unlikely he'll be match fit. And Scott McTominay as well has damaged his knee ligaments. It's not looking too good, but we do have strength and depth for midfielders. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it might even end up that we just have a nice balance in the midfield now. So Callum McGregor will definitely play, and then you might even get Ryan Jack in as a link, which would be nice because he's such a good player. Then you've got a heap of players you could drop into the other eight slot or, or 10 if you want. So you'd have, you play Christie as a, as a 10 behind the striker, mm-hmm. and it's not a case of fitting him in elsewhere, and you put Forrest wide right, and you've got options on the left depending whether Ryan Fraser can be arsed playing or not. And then, <laughs> not a bad team. Like, McTominay's fine. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a great attacking one. He's been good he for Man United, though. He pass sideways. Yeah, I know everyone keeps saying this. He's been decent. He he works hard and he, he runs around a lot, but he gives the ball away often in very dangerous situations. He, that's what he's done in the season. He tends to pass it sideways and switches the play. And I think Scotland... 
if we could put someone like Ryan Jack in to be the link and keep those nice passes going, McGregor's great at setting the tempo and doing everything else. Yeah. Then you get someone else who can bridge the gap between the rest of it. I don't think it's John McGinn's a great player and you want your best players to play, but uh, we should be okay in that department. It's one of the few bits of the pitch that we can actually get away with having an injury. Awesome. Thanks, JJ. Have a good new year, mate. Well, and to you and to all the people listening and also to producer Charlie. It's his last show, isn't it? It's Dude. Charlie's last show, yeah. Yeah, it's Charlie's last show. Yeah, what's your, new, what's your producer? Yeah, give us... Yeah, I know. New Year's resolution, just quickly. To... Uh, to make sure Charlie Jones gets the respect he deserves. <laughs> I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Football pundits who actually understand management, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators. Available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. 18 plus begambleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. You know who's had a great 2019? Motherwell. This time last year, the Steelmen were ninth in the table. Today, they sit third. We're joined now by Wells' Jake Carroll because it's Christmas. Jake, thanks for joining us. It's the derby against Hamilton, a Hamilton side that's given Celtic and Rangers a run for their money in the last few weeks. What kind of game are you expecting in this? It'd be a tough one. I've watched, I've watched the highlights a lot of them uh, over the last few weeks. They've got some good results and even tight ones with big teams like Celtic. and um, They've got some good players, especially in the wide areas, and they're capable of scoring goals. I, I missed the first game away to them um, so I'm unsure really myself how how it is coming up against them but um, the lads did say it was a tough game away there last time and um, we'll be expecting a tough game again We're speaking less than 24 hours after the Ross County game um, and we're talking about the next game so how difficult is it at this time of year? Yeah it's difficult but it's we're all used to it now we've done it for many years I think the manager said the other day he's, he's, he's never had a Christmas day off in his career and I'm the same. I think it's just part and parcel of football and it's the kind of sacrifices you have to make to become a fo- professional footballer. So we're well used to it and we've got one more game and we've got a nice little break ahead of us. So I was just about trying to get the three points before the break and go in a good mood. What was Christmas Day like as well for you? How much time did you get with your family? Did you get much? Well, we were in training at three o'clock, I think it was, on Christmas Day and then um, we trained at the stadium and then travelled straight up to Ross County. So, we had the morning at home, done the presents and all that, and then I had my Christmas dinner there on Christmas Eve the day before because you've got to kind of move things around, but still managed to get Christmas in and managed to get the three points, so that was the main thing. It was a late winner from Declan Gallagher. It shows the belief in the squad that you have now. How much of that has that, has that came from the manager? Yeah, big time. He's, he, we want to win every game, and the manager, manager says that home and away, we want to win every game, and especially the play to the end. I think we were very unlucky yesterday to go 1-0 down. I think we missed two good opportunities before they scored and then we had many in the second half. We just couldn't really break them down. It took an unbelievable goal from young Ross um, to get us back in the game and then we continued pulling the pressure on and 
we got that winner in the end. But it does come from the manager. He's standing on the side the whole time, um, driving us forward, and guiding us towards victory. You joined in the summer and you've been part of a lot of change at the club, style of play um, and a lot of other things too. How much work has gone into that? Yeah, hell of a lot. Um, I think the lads done it from January last year, so they had five or six months at that um, that kind of style of play beforehand. So they were well drilled and obviously it's, it's new for me, new positions defensively and attacking to go into, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, especially in pre-season, we've worked a lot on um, positioning and the way we press, the way we defend, the way we attack. Um, so a lot of work has gone into it and it's, it's shown on the pitch. Finally, uh, just before we go, you're third in the table. Everyone else is talking about it. Are you thinking about Europe? No, not really. Um, the manager, before we attack a group of games, you'd remind us that we've got three, maybe four big games that are coming in clutters at the moment. Um and we aim for to win three games at a time, four games at a time, um, and see where it takes us. So I think before the season, top six was the goal, and um, we're achieving that right now. So it's just about taking game but game at a time and try win a little blocks of games. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. Time now to see if the price is right. Yep, Lee Price at Paddy Power. Right, Lee, come on, tell me. Celtic View Rangers, New Lennon side have won both meetings this season. Will they make it three out of three? Well, the odds say yes. Celtic are the even money favourites to win this one, but it is tight. The hoops at home in this fixture, of course, have previously been odds on for equivalents in history. Rangers, meanwhile, are 23 to 10 and seriously state their intention to run at the title this season. The draw is 5 to 2. While the league's best attacking players should be on show, Odson Eduard, whose first name is surely made for a betting advert in the future, is rated the most likely to notch 11 to 8. Morelos is 13 to 8. Defoe is 15 to 8. Kilmarnock aren't rushing to appoint a new manager, but we want to know who it's going to be. So, what are the odds saying? <laughs> yeah, they're having a good old think about it, aren't they? We've seen Neil Warnock move into joint favourite alongside current caretaker Alex Dyer. They're both rated at 2 to 1 ahead of Gary Holt at 9 to 2. And then the betting market gets weird very fast. James Fowler's 14 to 1. Ali McCoyce is 16 to 1. Gianluca Conte is 20 to 1. As are David Moyes, Scott Gemmell, Chris Powell, and Robbie Di Matteo. Phew, that's a weird list. Finally, we're expecting Dundee United to become a Premiership side in 2020. Who will they replace? Who's finishing bottom of the Premiership table? This might sound harsh, but we make second bottom Hamilton favourites to finish last, despite their three point cushion on Hearts. Hearts are looking troubled now, though, and the price on them finishing bottom has shortened dramatically over the last couple of weeks. They're third in our betting at around 5 to 1. We actually make St Mirren more likely to finish below them, though, with the buddies most likely to battle it out with Hamilton to avoid automatic relegation, or so we think, anyway. Don't forget, it's the Dundee Derby tonight from Tanadice. The last meeting on this ground saw eight goals back in August, six of them to United, unfortunately for Dundee fans. Victory for Robbie Nielsen's side will take them 16 points clear of Inverness in second. Staggering. It's a big day in League One on Saturday too. Just one point separates the top four and they all play each other tomorrow. East Fife versus Wraith Rovers, Airdrieonians versus Falkirk. 
Wraith are currently topped by a single goal, so who knows which team will lead the way come five o'clock. All right, Charlie, let's make one last phone call um, before we skedaddle. Is that Adam? Adam Miller, a.k.a. Old Fun Facts? It is, how you doing? Hey, Adam, cool, man. I, I thought we were phoning 1965 there. Um, no, that's, that's, that's just where I get my material from. <laughs> Bro, did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, I had a really good one, about yourselves. Yes, yeah, it was really, really good. Really, really good, man. Um, but look, it's almost the end of uh, another year, um, and nobody's brought me more joy than you uh, on Twitter. <laughs> it's been absolutely brilliant. So how do yeah. you look back on uh, this year in Scottish football? Uh, well, it's been another good one. I mean, as with uh, any year in Scottish football, it's just been wall-to-wall ridiculous <laughs> Moments, headlines, quotes, statements, Danny Lennon. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'm, I'm at the point where I've, I've sort of given up trying to predict Scottish football because half the stuff that happened this year, if you'd suggested it, you know, this time last year, you'd have just uh, you wouldn't have believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably if, if I'm thinking about how I'll look back on this year, I mean, for me uh, personally, it's been a it's been a really good one, and uh, in terms of work, I've been sort of writing columns full time for the first time and what won an award. But my my, my highlight, absolute in a professional sense, was the time I tweeted I tweeted something, and that tweet became the subject of an article in the National with the headline: "Michael Stewart likes tweet calling Craig Levine a dick." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, brilliant! Unqu- unquestionably, the highlight of the year. <laughs> yeah, you should get a Twitter award for that. I like how you subtly um, just drafted in that you won an award in the middle of all that. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was looking at it on the mantelpiece. That was why I was like, "Well, he asked about the highlights of the year, so I'll just stick that in there." Oh, brilliant! Might, might be the last one I'll ever win. Have you, have you got any highlights? Because um, when we spoke to you at the end of last season, you gave us a few highlights. And is there anything in the last six months? surpassed a coconut being thrown on the pitch in the Edinburgh Derby <laughs> um, I, I don't think anything will ever truly surpass a coconut <laughs> being thrown on in the Edinburgh Derby I yeah. think at the time we were just wondering you know what would motivate someone to do that and then the logistics of getting that into the stadium and all the rest of it but um, there have been quite a few brilliant moments since then I was uh, I mean there's since then there's become a genuine competition called the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge oh, Cup fantastic um, also I mean a, a highlight for me was uh, the whole David Turnbull saga particularly Celtic's tweets about it because mm-hmm. I'd been at that point I'd been off Twitter for a couple of weeks because I was getting married and I'd said I'd basically said no either side one week before and after this wedding I'm not tweeting anything I'm going offline and I was almost as good as my word that we had like one day before we were all going we were going to go back to work and everything like that and we were going for a really nice meal just to kind of say well what a couple of weeks it's been let's wind down and I made the mistake of checking my phone when we were heading out for a meal <laughs> and everyone's just tweeting tagging me in this thing the the Celtic tweets about it where they basically said We've made them a magnificent offer, a fantastic offer. Uh, they can either take it or, if not, we move on. And it's like, it's like if, if not, we move on. It's just so petulant. It's like exactly the, exactly the kind of thing Rangers have spent the last few years doing. It's like kind of sassy, but just really 
immature and I just thought, oh, this is perfect. I pretty much ruined the meal by tweeting all the way through it. But, <laughs> um, but it was a similar thing happened actually a couple of years ago when we were we were on holiday in Rome and the first night we were there again you're like we're on we're on holiday celebrating anniversary i'm not going to be tweeting and then the first night just before i went to bed checked my phone and it was mark warburton's been either sacked or quit as the rangers manager and it's like the next day she's like why are you so tired and I'm like, uh. <laughs> you're so committed adam i love it i know, oh, I, know. I think i think the highlight though possibly was maybe just the danny lennon stuff um that was brilliant that was absolutely brilliant I never thought yeah. I could fancy a man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, those there's a kind his of quality to him. It's just not. Yeah. It's not like his days at St Mirren. Like his hair, he's no. he's proper became like a a fox, like a yeah, silver absolutely. fox, isn't he? Absolutely, and you know that physically is in good shape because otherwise, how else are you going to get a fifty year old playing an actual football match? Like, <laughs> um, but the the stuff I like that was good enough was the fact you know the fact that he threw himself on he decided yeah what this game needs is a fifty year old <laughs> um, but, but I like I, I just love this stuff I mean I'm guessing you saw this the BBC interview that he gave where he was it was just every quote was better than the last one <laughs> but he was he was saying he was talking about how. He, today's kids are spoiled so he would bring back national service <laughs> and then there was the, the, then there was this whole tangent where he was basically saying give me 20 kids and I'll take them away to an island for five years where no one can access them and then I'll bring them back as if as if it's all right he's going to bring them back that's <laughs> the rest of that statement is therefore absolutely fine and unquestionable um <laughs> Yeah, no, I was a big fan of that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of talking a bit more about the actual football side of things, like, are you enjoying that Celtic and Rangers are, are actually competitive again? You know, it's a lot tighter. I know, actually, Celtic, if they win on Sunday, they could go eight points clear. Yeah. I spoke to Jordan Campbell from The Athletic earlier on. Like He believes, and I think a lot of people believe, that Rangers are, you know, challenging Celtic um, more than they ever have done. How do you feel? Yes and no. I think um, it's definitely good for the entertainment value of Scottish football. Uh, I think certainly you look at the the last maybe year, year and a half's worth of games, I think the only game in that period, or certainly in the last year or so, where Celtic have completely dominated was the one at Ibrox earlier this season, so the first derby of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's even been games that Celtic have won that you would say Rangers were the better team and even the most recent one in particular, the amount of chances that Rangers had in that game. And it was as, you know, I'm certainly not the first to point this out, but it was like an almost exact reversal of the way those games were in the nineties when mm. Celtic would just pummel Rangers in most of these games, Gorham would have a great game and Rangers would sneak a one 0 win. And that was almost the kind of replica, you know, the, the the flip side of what happened a few weeks back, Morelos just seeming to get more and more frustrated with every miss, um, but I think I think that I think Celtic still have a sort of psychological upper hand. I think uh, they go into these games of having won so many of them and having won so many titles in recent years. Also, I think that with Rangers, Morelos, I still think is the best striker in the country. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best player in the country and not necessarily as good a player as Edward, but he's, I would say he's the best striker in the country. But Morelos is more important to Rangers than any one player is to Celtic. So if Morelos is out of that Rangers team for a period of time, I think they'll fall away, whereas Celtic have strengthened depth pretty much all over all over the park. Um, 
the the only other the only sort of downside of Rangers being more competitive now for me is that in order to stop being an absolute basket case of a club, they appointed a a sensible mature manager, which is good for the team. But you know I've got columns to write, so <laughs> my, my, my my kingdom for a Kashinia, you know. Oh, <laughs> those were the days. Um, <laughs> look, um, just before we go, um, are we in a place where we can be optimistic about the Scotland national team as well? <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, that's another yes and no because um, <laughs> technically it's only two games away from genuine, you know, uh, from potentially qualifying yeah. for a major tournament. But I, I, I've learned to never be optimistic about the Scotland national team because the last all time, learned. <laughs> yeah, the hard way. Uh, the, the the last time I was genuinely optimistic about the national team was after Lee Griffiths scored the second free kick against England, and mm. uh, look what happened then. Yeah. So, so it's best to just be somewhere between realistic and pessimistic, and then be pleasantly surprised. I think I've peaked on Twitter, by the way. Um, <laughs> my, my, finally, I've I've peaked. My my Twitter career has peaked because. When I woke up this morning before coming into the studio, um, I was watching like the Challenge Channel, um, right. and Family Fortunes came on. And guess uh-huh. who was one of the one of the contestants? Well, I'm assuming I'm assuming with it being like at Family Fortunes, like kind of 80s, <laughs> 90s, isn't it? So you're not gonna. It's not gonna be Morelos, obviously. So, no. Uh, no, no. Hugh Dallas. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Dallas, before, yeah, Hugh Dallas before he was um, before he was an official like SFA referee, he was like part of the Lanarkshire Counties um, referee, and he was a guest on it. It was amazing. So I put it on Twitter, and it's actually blown up a wee, like a wee bit, not old firm facts style, but I'm well proud. <laughs> well, old firm facts style is basically you get some retweets, and then everyone tells you they hate you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I can't see anyone hating you for sharing Hugh Dallas and family fortunes, although. <laughs> Although you might get some conspiracies about, oh, you'll share Hugh Dallas after he gave that penalty against Celtic 20 years ago. But... Yeah, there's been a few of those. Before we go, um, I want to hear your resolution for the new year. Here's one that I'll definitely not keep. is um, I'll stop paying attention to what talk sports say about Scottish football. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, I've got absolutely no commitment in my voice when I say that because I know within about a week you're going to have Adrian Durham talking about Scottish footballers should be red carded if they try and speak the Queen's English or something like that <laughs> in, a, in a post-match interview. I just I, I feel like I, I walk right into their trap every time because every time they say something, I end up tweeting about it and that gives it more publicity. <laughs> uh, so that that that'll be the, the resolution that I definitely don't keep. So that's it. That's all the time we've got. Thank you to Little Kicks for our lovely song. Thanks to all of you for listening in 2019. We'll be back in a couple of weeks on a new day. Yes, we'll be coming to you first thing on a Tuesday morning in 2020, reviewing all of the weekend's action. So we're going back to how we used to be and we're starting on the 14th of January. And don't forget, we'll be coming to Glasgow and Aberdeen in 2020 as well. So keep your eyes out for tickets to nab one of those. I can't wait. Honestly, it's going to be so exciting. From all of us here, Happy New Year and we'll see you again next year. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Totally Football Show.